Hello. Hello, everyone. This is the HR Learning Podcast. My name is Brad Boyson, and I'm joined by my co-host and co-founder, Fahad Khalaf. Fahad? Hello, guys. Welcome back. Nice seeing you or hearing you again or listening to us again. <laughs> yeah. And this is our last sort of media in the can capture for the year of 2020. I think it's fair to say, Fahad, this is going to be a year that lives in infamy. Exactly. Me too. Yeah. Very yeah. Too. You know that, you know, that famous, um, what was it? World War II when uh, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor and the president of the United States went on the radio and said, this will be a day that lives in infamy. Well, I think for almost everyone alive that can remember, this will be a year that lives in infamy. So we thought we would do a year end podcast in the world of work, in the world of HR, but we wanted to focus on the positive. You know, this has been a challenging year with capital letters and emphasis across the board. And Fahad and I were talking about sort of, you know, what kind of topics to do. And, and we thought, what about a sort of lesson learned, you know, a positive? Let's make some lemonade out of some lemons and for the year. And uh, so I challenged him to come up with his sort of top three to five positive takeaways from 2020 and i tried the same for myself so but maybe fahad before we do that should we take a break yeah let's go take a break wow i learned a lot as a mentor say make us think um that they said it was rather than because you're in the webinars that, that way you spread what really interesting when we started this program the tagline for this was Okay, everyone, we're back with the HR Learning Podcast, the year end of 2020, and we're discussing lessons learned in the positive from the year 2020, the year that will live in infamy. And so I was asking before the break, Fahad, if you had your sort of, I don't know if you have it in a countdown or number one, how do you want to do it? You know, what would be one of your top takeaways that in the most positive way, making lemonade from lemons of 2020 to be honest with you i came up with like five points but i don't know good I would for like, you i would like uh, our listeners to mention or comment below what are the things they think it's better to cover it for the for the next couple of episodes but here are my points uh they might not be great but seems fine uh, and it is do you want to read them fahad one by one or do you want to take one and then elaborate on it or it's really up to you uh, I'm just going to list all of them and we'll see okay. what's more interesting uh, for us. So I okay. here is the word. number one is the future of jobs. Uh, mm -hmm. The main thing, uh, did COVID really change the future job? Did it uh, scale the level of jobs that we need or did we, does it really express the, the, the adaptation, sorry, not adaptation, the, the movement of jobs toward AI? based on the Gallup survey, which is done in 2017, that which is around 45% of the job world will disappear in the next five, 10 to 15 years. Do you think that's going to come early? Or one of my, or the second topic is the adaptation skills and level where people be able to adapt and what is their adaptation level? And the third thing is learning and training. What do you think has been changed in the world of learning, training, not necessarily has it to be uh, to be related to HR, but different things. Uh, fourth thing is prediction. Um, what do you think prediction did really prediction played the role 
which mean risk management and so on. The, the fifth thing is, is social media really a good place to grow after, uh, after what we say pre-COVID, everything was in social media? Did it really have that really an impact when you were an active in social media or not? Share all your comments and thoughts in the comment below or wherever, wherever you're listening to it through LinkedIn or whatever. Let's see. What about you, Brett? What are your points? Well, I, I feel like I can't move on until I have a chance to talk to you with your, your topics first because, you know, in some ways there's a common theme, but maybe help me understand your first one. And I, again, I'm, I think, once again, we usually are aligned on most things that we talk about. But, you know, I think it's fair to say it's, we don't know. It, is COVID, let's assume the positive. Let's assume that in the next few months, the world turns a corner and we start to get back to whether you call it normal or the new normal, we get back to a non-COVID sort of uh, work environment. Has this year really had an impact? Um, it's, it, it's hard. You know, I think one of the things, Fad, that makes it difficult to even answer that is because the impact on people is so personal. In that sense, I mean, it's unique to their own circumstance because there were a lot of people who are already working in this sort of flexi work, uh, you know, gig economy, and they were kind of doing certain work like this. And in some ways, this just was an extension of that. And then there are other people, you know, have a very direct impact. Um, maybe they're service workers who have jobs that are dependent upon the physical presence of other people. And that was profoundly impacted. And here in UAE and Dubai, you know, we have uh, the airlines, the tourism industry. You can't deny that that's been a huge impact and that that will have an impact, hopefully, as we turn this corner. Um, You've put, kind of put it out there, these questions, without answering them. Do you have some bias in some of your... Uh, what would you say to this first question? Is it going to have an impact? Uh, it will have an impact somehow. Uh, you know, I'm just referring back to the Gallup survey that's been done in 2017, which is mm. uh, they were saying that 45% uh, of, of the global uh, uh, jobs will, will get kind of converted to AI or disappeared somehow because of the mm. AI or learning machine and automation in the next probably 10 to 15 or 10 to 20 years. Now, this is, is like a prediction. This is what we start seeing since that time. There's a lot of jobs started to be more automated into the system, smartphones. And to be honest with you, even, even here in the UAE, especially in Dubai, you know, a lot of government uh, transaction has been moved totally to, to an online. So right. I remember last week going to one of the entities for, for one of the transactions uh, and I have to like to drive away to that, to that um, branch and I have to do all of my transaction and they used to have like six, seven counters of right. all these things. And once I reached there, I told them I need this transaction. They told me we don't do it anymore. It's, everything is online. So right. you, Imagine the job of six, seven counters of people had been just vanished from moving there. Now, right. this could be done in, in a gradual basis in the next three, four years, but just because the pandemic is there and because of the social distancing and, and the medical requirements, so has been done immediately and forced companies to take 
and immediate action. Yes, it is personal to a lot of people from a different way, but I feel that the pandemic had expressed or speed up the process of convergence and instead 10 to 15 years could be five to 10 years. That's what I believe. Interesting, interesting, yeah. I think one thing that I thought about as you were giving your answer too is that, and I'm kind of also adding my two cents worth onto your answer is that I think it's going to take some time to tell. I think like a lot of things that come out of sort of disruptive periods in history, whether you look at the dot-coms, when you look at 2008, 2009 financial crisis, some of the things that come out of these events don't actually manifest until three, four years later, you know, like an Airbnb out of, you know, a financial crisis or something like that. So those are, you know, unique and the word unicorn is perfectly appropriate because they're sort of mythical. It's, we, we always point to these outliers as if they're sort of the norm and they're not the norm. But I think one thing to your point that in terms of work is that if, people didn't understand the workflow before and they simply shifted it online. Unless you know where the bottlenecks are, there's a very good chance you're just going to create another bottleneck somewhere else, you know, where you, Fahad, you go to this physical location. They say, okay, you can do this, this, and this here, but you have to do this online. But you go do that online and then you have to go back to the physical location for something else. Then we're worse than before, exactly. right? Because before you probably could have just done once and done everything in one physical location. So I was thinking of, you know, the Uber and the story of how this um, ride sharing sort of came to be and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. and looking at what they understood was that the dispatcher was the bottleneck right? You need the driver, you need the vehicles, you know, whether they're electrical or gas or, you know, self-driving, it doesn't matter. You need the vehicle and the driver could be an AI, but the dispatcher, this role of this gatekeeper of information connecting, you know, the person who needed the ride to the means of the ride could be automated. And so I think it's going to take a bit of time to see where some of those bottlenecks, those dispatchers in the workflow have been automated and they're not coming back. But I do honestly believe that a lot of these other positions will come back because someone will say, you know what, it's not working better this way. And we need to go back to the way it was before for whatever reason. And I don't have the answer, you know, if it's something the technology wasn't ready, people didn't understand the workflow properly, um, the employees weren't trained properly, these types of elements. But it's a It's an interesting time. I was watching uh, a video from the author of um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad the other day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of things that's been in the media that he's said before. And it's, you know, it's also sort of common knowledge. But what really caught me in the times that we're in was we was talking about news. He said, you know, most news isn't news. It's olds, right? It's talking about the past. And he said, you know, in his frame where he's always talking about, you know, the rich dad and the poor dad and the, you know, the, the one that knows what to do and the one that's always trying to go back and live in the past. And his comment was that we, we analyze sort of information today, but so many people are really focusing on today in the past. And mm-hmm. he said, there's tons of opportunities for people who are looking about the future. 
right? Looking about, okay, this is a disruptive period, this, this. And, you know, we see this, you know, look at Zoom, for example, you know, they, these, they're just at the right place at the right time and they just explode. And maybe that's not the best example, but other people are finding these opportunities as well. And I think coming full circle on your, your prediction, your comment, your observation, I think you know, it's going to take a year to maybe three years where we really start to see and we look back and say, ah, this was the Uber back at the end of 2020. This was the group of people who were doing something that at that time was still a work in progress, but they had figured out a new way to do something, often involving technology, and now look where they are. They're the next unicorn. They're the next Uber. They're the next BNB. You're right. I thought- in, so, in some other type of work, right? Yeah. And I think the bottom line of that is all depends on, um, on the money and operational costs. So what do I mean? You will have two categories of people who are looking to bring back the norm, the old days norm, which is the, you know, the physical, uh, physical yeah. interaction with all this stuff. And, and, and people don't believe in online. They felt it is either an additional or an, a luxurious channel. But it seems the pandemic forced them to, to co-op immediately with the changes. So if you still believe that online is luxurious, you can't pay for the bills for that. So then you will be closing the business sooner or later. But if you will be able to adapt quickly and able to really convert everything, all the physical interaction into online, I think here is gonna, it's gonna make a big difference. And I think the bottom line here is, is money customer satisfaction and adaptation and innovation. These are, for me, I feel are the three points of view. So there will be a sacrifice. There will be a sacrifice in terms of the funds, resources, headache, especially if you want to move to online. But if you don't have the resources, you don't have the funds, you don't have the will, you're unable to adapt. And I think that's going to be a big challenge, probably going to close your business. But here's the thing. And as you said, because of the positivity, Yes, we, we do say always that around 45% of the jobs will disappear in the next 10 to 15 years. But what, the, the, what usually people don't look into the second part of the statement is that there will be, well, there, there will be a new jobs will be created. So mm-hmm. these 45, 45% of jobs will get replaced by a new job could be by a system, by a programmer, by an IT, by uh, end user, but some, so there will be something like, for example, when you were talking, Amazon, mm. Amazon drone has developed a drone or basically Amazon has developed a drone to deliver uh, packages directly from the high, uh, ho- ho- sorry, uh, from the, the store into the, the, the end consumer. Now, mm-hmm. if that increase, that will eliminate, eliminate a lot of drivers a lot mm-hmm. of drivers, that's mean gas station, that's mean cars, car builders, that's mean maintenance, garage, so on. But at the same time, it will create a new programmers, a new manufacturer of drones, a new something. Then it will create a, what they call these um, air traffic controllers, uh, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a never-ended job or never-ended topic, but there will always be plus or minus in every topic or every drive that's going to happen. Yeah, I like that example, you know, because it, it also made me think about something I heard many years ago, you know, when you talk about the impact of the car, because often 
the car is used as a comparison for, for lack of a better word, computers, you know, whether you're talking about your smartphone or, or whatever, it, it's a general purpose device. And then you ask, what was the impact? And, you know, what, what some of the best historians will say is that the cars created suburbs, right? Because before people had to live relatively close to each other to sustain themselves. But the same way elevators created skyscrapers, you can't have skyscrapers without elevators. You would never have the suburbs and the suburbs fundamentally changed the way people, human beings live their lives. So I think we're probably in that period, a similar period where we're going to look back 10 years, 15 years from now and say, drones, yeah, it's a novel technology. And I'm not saying drones, it could be something else, but drones created this, which created this. Mm -hmm. and, and that's pretty exciting. Cause, but I would qualify one thing that you said, you know, as you said, new jobs. I think one of the best ways I heard this explained from someone else was that it's a lot of those new jobs are actually the same people doing the new job, meaning that the job just doesn't all of a sudden change, you know, from black to white, you know, from day till night is that the job, something in the job changes. You were working on a typewriter. Well, now you're working on a computer, but at first the computer only works as a word processor. So that's, you're, you're basically working on a new type of typewriter, but it has underlying things that, you know, eventually you need to learn spreadsheets. You need to learn a fax machine. You have to, it, it, it changes sort of in a cascading way. So I do believe those types of numbers, but as you allude to, and I don't want to, you know, put words in your mouth. It's history shows that for the jobs that are destroyed, more jobs are created in an, in a numerical sense. That's not to make light of people who fundamentally lose their job because whatever they did before is absolutely gone. You know, is, um, you know, there's economics has these examples of different technologies that just disappear. Exactly. And, and here's the point. You could, uh, I could say, you could control the way that you, the job will get either totally vanished or totally been automated or continue the job itself. So, so, okay, you know, sometimes when you mentioned you are in, 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 a, in a typing, in typing uh, machine, for example, then you move mm -hmm. to PC. Okay, it's your responsibility to adapt. And the main point here is, and as you said, and the history shows there are more jobs is being created, uh, created comparing to, to the one has been totally either converted or vanished. So at least, at least by, by 2.5 to 3%, uh, three times the job that mm -hmm. has there in the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. The main point is, are we, are we able to adapt with the changes? Now, here's the thing, and I always tell to people, there is a big difference between a job and career. A job is you doing a job and you're getting it paid, but career is you're building long-term 10 years of experience, even though if it's needed that you will be able to learn a new stuff, which is out of your, if your, of your scope of, of experience, just to build that overall career. And, and, and this is the same thing. And I always tell people, see the, the history of ATM. ATM in, in the early 19, 1980s, especially in the UK, there are, there are a lot of people went out and they were kind of against the ATM because they feel that ATM is taking their job out, especially from the tellers. But what happens initially that none, none of them had lost their job. A new job has been created, which is check clearance, which is, you know, all these payment, electronic payment and so on. 
So has been then at the same time because of the ATM, the ATM manufacturers have created more jobs. So then within the bank, instead of focusing on a physical money, they focus on a check. So a new processes has come in between. So practically, I don't feel, as you said, there is no real loss of a job. The whole loss is based on you if you're not, not willing to adapt within the, the whole change itself. Like, for example, I remember myself being a branch manager on branch operation, head of contact center for one of the multinational banks. Suddenly, I have been approached by the stakeholders of, of the CEO of the bank, and they said, but how about you manage one of the functions of HR? I said, I would love to. Why not? Because they are managing people in a smaller scale. I'm here managing people on a higher scale. I have less technical responsibility there. I have higher technical responsibility here. So I feel this is the same. I always see the brightness in everything. So, and I took that, and there were my HR um, experience or career uh, start to catch up from that time and from mm -hmm. there good so even if you're gonna tell me for example how about moving back to that i said i don't mind because if this is really what's needed for me as a career it's really needed for the industry for the business for an overall i can adapt you know and somehow so the bottom line is are you able to adapt to fulfill the need of the future yourself and so on that's all up to you well, and I'm going to add to your question because I think it's perfectly valid, but there's one thing and it's not the technology mm. that's really changed that question. If you were to ask the same question 20, 30 years ago, what's changed is that people are living and working longer. longer. Mm. So it's not just about asking someone who's going to work from, you know, let's pick a random age, 20, 22 to 65. It's not just about asking those people. It's about asking a 50-year-old, a 60-year-old who has the potential to work another 20, 30 years in the world that we live in now, you know, barring unforeseen circumstances. This should actually start to become an expectation. Mm -hmm. And no one's talking about that. So I, and I was thinking about this again, I think last week, you know, is in two categories, you know, when you were talking and it got me thinking one is that adapting, think about pilots, whoever thought pilots would be out of work. Exactly. Right? When you say careers, right? When you think pilots are like medical doctors, they're like lawyers, they're, you know, these are licenses for careers. Mm -hmm. And you may not want to do it for the rest of your career. But if you achieve that level of, of competence to earn the license, you have that unique option that not everyone does. There's a barrier to entry for other people. And yet here we are at a time in the world where, I don't know, you know, I don't, it, pilots is one of the jobs that's just profoundly impacted. And what's your plan B? If you've studied and you've been a pilot all your life and you're, I don't know, 40 years old, were you ever doing a plan B? I mean, in the HR talks you and I had, we're always talking about here's your plan A, here's your plan B. But when you go into those very exclusive license types of work, you know, to have a plan B is almost contradictory. Sure, some of them do it. But the old plan B used to be, okay, when I retire, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up a restaurant. I'm going to, you know, be a musician or something. I'm going to do, I'm going to travel. It was always sort of an addendum to it. But now what we're seeing is that people need to prepare to pivot 
in their in their linear time period, whether they're 30, 40, 50, 60, or 70. So I think again, just adding to what you're saying is are people prepared to adapt later in their working careers? Because if they're not, they're not they're gonna struggle and and we need to start thinking about this, teaching this, about indoctrinating people in culturally at a younger age. You know, that, okay, maybe your grandparents were forced to retire at the age of 60 or 65, but you might just live twice as long as your grandparents. You're right. And there's a very good chance by the time you're that age that you're going to be in much better health and you're going to have to find something. You're going to have to change. It's not just about a changing jobs. You know how we've talked about for 20 years, average person's going to have sent to seven to 10 jobs in their working life. That's no longer the relevant question. It's going to be how many times have you had to pivot in your, in your career, in your working life to do something completely different. And I think, you know, the new discussion is going to be, you know, what are the, what are the paradigms for those pivots? You know, who are some of the case studies of people that have actually done it? Someone who's, you know, and I'm seeing more and more of this on my LinkedIn feed. Oh, hi, I just graduated with my bachelor's degree at 54. Wonderful. What a great demonstration of adaptability. I mean, if you went back 20 years and you said, I'm putting on my CV resume, I just graduated with a bachelor's degree at 54. No one would have a box to put you in, right? It's just like, what are you doing? But in today's world, that's actually what you want to be looking for. Mm -hmm. Who's able to make those fundamental life-changing career pivots, life pivots at 30, at 45, mm -hmm. at 60. And these are the types of things that I think, you know, people in the, the coaching space and other support services actually need to start to look to offer yeah. you know, the, the market. Yeah, totally. And I totally agree with you. And, and I think this is one of the more impo important topic is, are you able to adapt with what's really going on, even if it's necessary to change what's really we're doing for the last 10, 20 years? You know, and this is one of the things what you were talking also, it had me thinking about the pilots, for example. I know mm -hmm. a lot of pilots got impacted, but also the pilots, if they're going to think about it, probably this is one of the things that I could share is there are one industry or one thing that whatever happens that will never stop which is cargo cargo will never stop whatever happens even there is a pandemic mm -hmm. because then mm -hmm. you transfer transport a lot of goods foods whatever so here it's mm -hmm. thing. probably if there is anything happen or got impacted at your good times at the bad time it might be a good transfer time to be a cargo pilot for example uh, as you said, in terms of retirement, okay, are you will be able to save some money to buy yourself a small plane for a tourism to take people for a tour mm -hmm, across the mm -hmm, country or across mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. don't wait until you get shocked with the news that you got retired or you get redundant or something. Always find an alternative or at least a backup plan. Or at least well, it's Reed Hoffman's, you know, Plan A, Plan B, Plan Z. Exactly. He wrote a book, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago. Um, the name escapes me right now, but it, I think it was his best book. And, you know, he was talking about career strategies for the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he's talking, I think, from sort of the ecosystem of Silicon Valley and his world and what he saw success, what people were doing is, you know, they had their plan A, the plan B and the plan Z, you know, it's sort of like the insurance plan. Some people totally disagree with that. You know, the idea of having a plan Z is like saying, 
you know, what's my insurance? And somebody will say, you know, Schwarzenegger has a viral video online that's talking about you have a plan A and just a plan A, right? It's just mm. don't create plan Bs because that will hold you back. Um, but, it, you know, you were talking about the pilots and I don't know, Fahad, I, I mean, maybe a bit of pushback, but it reminds me of the joke I heard. And I don't know the source of the joke, but it was kind of like, you know, the modern, modern factory of the future is going to have two entities, two life entities at the factory. One is going to be the machine operator, mm -hmm. you know, who sits by and watches in case anything goes wrong and a dog, right? Mm -hmm. And the dog is there to make sure that the machine operator doesn't touch anything, right? That's the dog's responsibility, right? The person is there sort of as a, as a, as a make work project and they're the ones that screw everything up. So, um, I don't know, you know, pilots in terms of, you know, the, the, there's been automated pilots for decades now. And, yeah. you know, in a sense, the pilot of today is as amazing as the machines are and, and the skill of flying, you know, it, it's a, it's a completely different job than flying 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And I remember as a kid going to the airport for a tour and a pilot at that time, these were royalty in terms of not just jobs, but professions. Like they were the super doctors at the time because the machines that they were flying were risky. They didn't have all the redundancy and backup systems and safety systems that they have today. And they were paid a fortune at that time, to be honest too. And the amount of training that they would go through and, and it was just, it was a royal type of job. It was, you know, um, and, you know, I have a friend, a twin, he has a twin brother who's a pilot and he often teases his twin, you know, that this isn't me saying this, this is him saying it. You're just a glorified bus driver in the sky, right? <laughs> That's what a pilot is, right? This is exactly because the machines can fly themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the service that's provided by the people face-to-face -face is done through the, the hostesses or, you know, the stewards on the, on the flight. And you're just the, the, the guardian of the machine in case something goes wrong, which almost never happens. But that's what you're paying for is that human redundancy for an emergency system. Exactly. No, no, I totally agree with that. I totally, we, we totally respect the pilot uh, role and industry. Absolutely. Think, no, no, we do the whole point is you guys need to find alternative is not only the pilot, any industry, because I think the pandemic had showed there are some industries got really impacted very well, especially if you don't have a backup plans, don't have the resources, don't have even the mindsets and the skills that I think plan B adaptation, risk evaluation management. So you can plan based on that are very, very important. Not only from a business perspective, even from your personal perspective, what a lot of people are trying to make. But you know how I would slightly frame it a different way, supporting but different way. It's like people sometimes say with Fahad with HR, you know, HR is lucky. Let me finish the story because a lot of people say, you know, HR is useless, right? But they say HR is lucky because you can actually go from different industry to different industry, right? Is that that sort of generic support function has a role in different industries in different ways, but it has a certain amount of portability. But for a lot of people who get a, like a pilot, you know, you're going to be a pilot. If you have to become a ship captain, you're going to have to go through a very different set of training, Definitely. even though it's a very similar type of, you know, abstract way similar. Mm -hmm. um, 
But, you know, I think to your point is that we all need to start to be thinking about sort of the plan B because, you know, I'm sure some people were thinking about this as, as I said it, is a lot of people would say HR is one of those jobs that's going to be eliminated with technology, right? Yeah. You know, when you look at the, the routine um, benefits, payroll, uh, onboarding, a lot of these activities that HR people do right now can be automated. I'm not saying they should. I'm not necessarily saying some of them can be because I think some of them that they think can, can't, but time will tell. Mm -hmm. and, and so whether, whether you're in a portable, you know, cause I come back to this idea of the pilots. I, I don't imagine that many pilots were thinking they needed a plan B, you know, the global, the travel, whether it's, it's uh, freight, whether it's passengers, you know, is growing. The number of planes is growing. The, it's a growing industry like any industry. But I come back to the example when I was growing up that people said, you know, the state of California is recession proof because it is the most diversified economy in the world. And it has this, it has this, it has, it has Hollywood, it has Silicon Valley, but California has, has had many recessions in the past. And, you know, people are leaving Silicon Valley as we speak because yeah. of, you know, the environmental factors are not right necessarily for certain entrepreneurs or others, you know, they have a different mindset, but um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot to think about. And I, I love your list. And I, I think, you know, if I look at my list, it, the thing is we talked a lot about what sort of I was thinking and, I, and the summary that I was thinking Fahad as an outcome that I look back on 2020 and it all converges on this for me. It's not the, holistic but it's this idea that when it comes to technology when it comes to automation i think what i've learned or has been reinforced in 2020 is that we're at a very juvenile immature state of ai right now we've got a long way to go before you really get into the organic general intelligence machines and when i what i what I differentiate is this ability to pivot, mm. right? It's, we're still at a stage where the machines are doing very routine things, albeit very clever, very fast, but they're very focused. And the example I always use is, is like, you know, the algorithms that you use for, you know, the shopping websites or others or movie suggestions or music suggestions. These algorithms, Fahad, are all confining. They all narrow your scope. And this translates, when you look at social media, into the groups we socialize with. Yeah. You know, we get into smaller and smaller groups. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a good thing. And so the positive that I take for 2021 out of this is I think we're going to realize this more and more as we look back on 2020, is that when you look back at social media, when you look at back at the LinkedIn's and you asked it in your point five, you know, did, is social media really the e-commerce environment that everyone thought it would be? I think one of the takeaways is it's not going to be that if we keep relying so much on underlying program that makes us more and more isolated, more and more confined into whatever areas of interest we're looking at work and it works to our disadvantage. And I think it's positive that if more and more people realize that um, and work to counterbalance that, or at least see the difference. 
I can't agree anymore. And just to end up summary, because I think we already exceeded the 30, mar 30 minutes yeah, mark. Yeah. Um, Mark Zuckerberg in Feb 2018, he said, uh, social media will end soon. So what are the alternatives? The alternatives are private groups. So I feel private groups uh, will will come up into light slowly, sooner or later. And I think because of the pandemic had had expressed the visibility of having private groups. But the question is here, what does private group means? Is it just group of people to network? No, it's a group of specific expertise. So then it's like a tribe, you want to say. It's a tribe of human resource tribe, but it has to be so specific that even if we call it HR, it has to be more specific tribe of or group of talent acquisition, a group of compensation and benefit, a group of uh, technical finance or information somehow. So and I think, Mark, so what I feel is the group, Facebook group, private group thing, not the page, the group for specific uh, expertise and a specific, I mean, say, uh, knowledge or alumni or whatever we want to call it, that will have an impact. And at the end of the day, social media, it's a place to, to you know, to, to bring people together. It's not, it's, it's never meant only to sell money to sell business, to sell services. If you will be able to make it, that's great. If it's not, it's just a place for you to gather. It's like a shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's... The but I don't know if I agree with Zuckerberg. And, you know, people are pretty foolish to disagree with him. He has a pretty good record of being right on a lot of things. But I think that, that those observations are an extrapolation of his, of his machine learning mindset you know, is that it won't be a general purpose social media, it'll be a more group orientated. But to me, that's exactly the wrong thing. Because what makes groups strong are diversity and diversity is often random in nature, you meet someone while you're both on a trip to Singapore or something, and you just so happen to get to know them and, and these, these serendipities, these, these happenstance that happen in a workplace that spawn creativity are organic they're not computerized they're not programmed and it, it can't be programmed in the current technology which is a box that gets smaller and smaller by definitions of the algorithms yes more and more quantity can fit into that box but it's the opposite of diversity and so i think he's saying what's the future of social media but i don't necessarily think that we as people are 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 going to follow down that road because like what's happening right now in the pandemic, we want to socialize. We want to break out of our boxes and we want to, even if we don't know it, we want to randomly meet different people. Even if we're just watching people walk on the street from a coffee shop, you know, it's all part of that discovery, that unplanned discovery. That's part of being human. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with that. So there is a lot of um, talk about there. There are a lot of opinion. I don't know what's what's right, what's wrong. So let's see how what's the world deciding on us. One thing I like, Fad, is you know so many people are of the same mindset. Let's get to 2021 because it's got to be better than 2020. Oh. And uh, that kind of positive energy is quite unique if you think about it. And uh, it's a global energy. So I'm very optimistic about 2021 in terms of the changes that are coming. And uh, um, 
I encourage people to, you know, subscribe to that optimism. If you, you know, if you can get through 2020, um, it makes you stronger. Exactly. Me too. I totally adopt it. Guys, always keep in mind that you need to find the brightness in everything happens. This year mm -hmm. it was a challenging year, but also mm -hmm. was a very good year for me comparing to the several years or the past couple of years and a different perspective. So I'm very optimistic and also want to invite everyone to be more optimistic with a risk calculation. So you should not even be optimistic at the same time, get shocked with whatever is going on. So the balance is always good. Be optimistic, see the light, see the positivity and, and enjoy, enjoy the rest of your uh, 2020. And uh, I don't know what to say. Shall we say happy new year in advance? Probably. Yeah, everyone. I wish everyone a happy new year from, uh, and look forward to some uh, pivots from us, from HR Learn In, adding some more features and services to our community. So stay tuned. So guys, thank you very much for watching. It was an amazing uh, 2020 and nice being here with you, with everyone, with you guys. And I really would like to wish everyone happy new year and uh, we want to do some closing. We will do a couple of updates in, in our website. So please stay tuned and always visit our website and, and log in our members area. There are good, amazing resources for you, especially free videos and podcasts. And also for, for the time being, guys, if you have any further details, please jump into our website, send us an email. We would love to hear from you or share your thoughts with us. Any final thoughts, any conclusion, closing? Brad, over to you. No, that's good, Fahad. Let's just leave it there and wish everyone a great rest of the year and see you all in 2021. Cheers. You guys. Bye-bye.